Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete, but the Pete from 1999. Bonjour, Pete. I am subroutine failing. Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 203, Assimilation, comes to you now via cellular photograph. Pete, in this the last week of the overlaps between Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Picard. The last week in which 1999 Pete will be here. Let me just give you a big tip, uh, Pete, as you prepare to go back to your present, our past. Uh, Blockbuster will continue to be an interesting thing for a little while. That's nice. I do know, Matt, there will be another temporal nexus in May of uh, 2022 for the Picard season two finale and the Strange New Worlds pilot. Yes, and our Strange New Worlds podcast feed will be launching in the near future. I guess we'll have to have 2022 Pete back for that. Uh, And certainly those uh, podcast episodes will be simulcast on the pop culture podcast feed. Uh, All of that, of course, with uh, Moon Knight, looming ever closer and of course plenty of picard still ahead of us including you know the discussion that we're about to have yes we'll be bringing you our final moon knight preview of the series this week as well as a star trek discovery season four wrap on saturday march 26th with that let's head into our mission briefing As the standoff with the Magistrate and his men continues aboard La Serena, he tells Picard and his crew to toss their phasers. Raffi tries to help Elnor after he was shot, but the Magistrate won't let her after what the Romulan did to his security team. Seven attempts to convince him he's interrupting a classified operation and he calls her bluff by asking her to prove she's his wife and telling him his full name. After he phaser whips her, Seven and Raffi overpower their captors, vaporizing one each before Raffi saves Seven by vaporizing the magistrate. A, I like that they kind of dispense with this portion of the story pretty quickly. And B, uh, of course, Pete, the phasers of uh, the, the phasers are set to kill always, except for the one time they shot Elnor. Then it wasn't set to kill. Then it was just set to mostly kill, not vaporize kind of kill. And um, I saw people complaining about that through this uh, wormhole to 1999 that's, uh, you know, becoming increasingly difficult to navigate i'll point out matt elnor dies in this scene so while it didn't vaporize him it did kill him so story (laughs) um at this point in the episode as you mentioned pete he is he is dying quick get him to sick bay uh there are beeping machines it's kind of a it's a it's a it's a dangerous beeping uh we have bleeding elnor uh, there are ships pursuing them. There are no med kits here. Rios calls for more help uh, up front. Uh, and Seven goes there, uh, topping off the team of Rios and Picard. Uh, things are not looking good for our dear crew, although the camera does show them 
headed towards the sun. Hmm, I see what you're doing there. Gerardi uh, is still programming things back there with the queen. Q quickly stops by to ask Picard what else has changed. Rios has or seven hold. He? What's that? Or does he? Uh, ooh, oh. Pete, hold on. This is not the theory segment. We're, we're about to travel through time, but uh, uh, Rios has seven hold. Hold, hold, then fire and destroy. Even destroying what I think was an evil intrepid class ship, Wither the Voyager. Uh, the explosion knocks down the Borg Queen cage, um, and she's now crawling along. Great effects moment there where it's kind of her torso and her spine comes out to, to boost her up. Um, she's going to take control of the situation, tentacles coming out, hooking herself into the ship and starting to calculate the temporal trajectory. Mark that down as a win for me, Pete, because I believe I had predicted in the last podcast that somewhere right before or right after the credits, we would be uh, getting some time travel here. So uh, I'll take the W. All this against the reprisal of uh, Jerry Goldsmith's Borg Q from Star Trek First Contact as she's raising herself here. Fantastic use of that leitmotif. Uh, once she has fully taken over the ship, she fires uh, merely two shots, which takes out the, the pursuing craft. Uh, we see the Borg interface taking over. Thank goodness, Pete, the Borg use a you know a steady kind of green so that we at home can know we've gone from the uh, 25th century l cars to the borg thing um she is preparing to shatter to mend the past is now uh next stop slingshot she warps them toward the sun uh and Gerardi takes a forward station esta where... loco <laughs> Uh, muy, muy loco. They're at warp, they're slingshotting, warp six, warp seven, warp eight point, uh, and warp nine and so forth, even as we cut back to Raffi holding on to Elnor, the stakes, personal and galactic. Uh, we see streaks of light, and I wondered if perhaps we were going to go to the credits. No, no. In a really inspired moment, Pete showing that whoever this young whippersnapper director is, they understand how to tell a time travel story. We have close-ups of eyes as time freezes and then starts to go backwards, topped off by Jurati's tear flowing up back into her eye. Uh, we get a flash of time travel in the credits, showing all the regulars minus Issa Brionius. Uh, John Delancey is noted as the guest star. This episode written by Kylie Rossiter and Christopher Monfette. Uh, directed, Pete, by Leah Thompson. 1.21 gigawatts. Yes, uh la serena jumps out of time warp over the sun and towards earth picard asks if they've succeeded but gerardi says the chronometer is shot so they have to look for context clues picard notes no colony on the moon gerardi sees fossil fuel pollution ozone deterioration but no radioactive fallout so she thinks they're pretty close to when they want to be just then the ship lurches and they've lost navigation and shields as they're caught in earth's gravity rios can't stop her because he's locked out seven tries to trigger recovery protocols so that he can get some control back all the 
Star Trek emergency story tools in the toolbox being used here, what with, you know, verifying where, where they need to be, but not with complete proof, with them not able to stop the, the crash landing that's about to happen. There's a rerouting of blast shield controls, if possible. Uh, they're going to land slash have a targeted crash. Will it be Los Angeles? Uh, Picard is going to navigate them to home. Uh, he takes them into a tree line, which shall we say, is a rock'em sock'em crash that probably should have destroyed the ship, but, you know, Star Trek engineering. Uh, as for their status, everyone seems to be all right, but the batteries are draining. Uh, it's almost like, Pete, they'll, they'll need more plutonium to get back. Um, the uh, the biobed is the only thing keeping Elnor alive. Darn it. Uh, Elnor is struggling to stay alive, even as he coughs up blood. That's another TV code for things are not good. Where's all the power going to the Borg queen who is siphoning it to stay alive? The crew is going to manually attempt to pull her down. Um, Rios indeed is prepared to shoot her down, but is uh, reminded that she needs to stay alive if they have any chance of fixing the timeline and going home. Elnor asks Raffi to give him his Kuat Malat medallion as he translates the inscription. Now is the only moment before dying good old elnor pete he's always a laugh a minute even looking at death here um then elnor appears to be gone can it be raffi mourns him and in the next scene time has passed picard looks on as elnor's body is put into a body bag and put uh into storage into uh, stasis um it is crew, however, that Elnor it is clear, however, that Elnor is dead. And to the shaken crew, Picard notes that if they fail here, they fail Elnor and everyone at home. Uh, they must mend the timeline in a scene that's really making the stakes clear here. They must nurse the queen back to health. Rafi is feeling intense disappointment in leadership in Picard. Uh, and why has all this history been changed? Because of Q, uh, she blamingly notes, and because of Q's. Uh, game with Picard. Uh, then Pete, a little delicious thing mentioned perhaps for aspiring young podcasters. If they save time, will it bring Elnor back? P See, Pete, they're theorizing. Rafi <laughs> hopes so. Um, but wait, Pete, is there more essential knowledge we need uh, as we prepare this portion of the season? Yes, that um, this may be alien tech, uh, the the watcher. Um, Rafi's not going to wait around for the queen. She's going to try to track the alien tech along with seven. Um, and, uh, Rios will go as well. Gerardi says that Rios cannot bring his phaser lest they cause a butterfly effect. No hospitals, no authorities, no security checkpoints, anything that can scan them for ID implants or vaccination chips from a future that doesn't exist yet. Pete, it's a good reminder that in the Star Trek future, all it takes is a little vaccination and you can avoid all sorts of trouble. Um, as the teams are splitting up here, Picard and Gerardi will stay on the ship and try and revive the Borg Queen. Um, their specific mission, uh, the hopes that the Queen will help them find the Watcher, uh, let's go to work, crew. So, Pete, uh, look, I'm not going to say there's an A plot and a B plot. They're all A plots to me, but A1 and A2 made very clear here. 
uh, even as Agnes scans the queen. Uh, it looks like the queen is communicating but can't wake up. Picard uh, notes that the Borg can communicate via thoughts. Jurati will uh, give the queen just enough power. Perhaps Locutus can hack into her. He says, no, no, no. He'd be assimilated in seconds. Uh, so it falls to Jurati to go into the queen's mind to act faster than the queen can assimilate her, which um, all of that checks out story-wise. Like if you're saying, all right, well, we want to, we want to, push the ensemble nature of this we want to not put everything on patrick stewart's plate here um all of that checks out i buy it that he can't go back in because he'd be hacked immediately and that we need to have somebody else do it while he guides her along and all of that but he won't allow it seven meanwhile has scraped together enough power for a one-way beam out that should place them near one another in la Raffi says they go in 10 minutes to Mark Ridge Industrial Tower, the highest point in 2024 L.A. They can run a complete scan of any alien signals from there. They gear up for the time and Seven looks at herself in a mirror again, sans implants. Raffi gives her a comm badge so they can keep in touch locally but they'll have difficulty contacting La Serena. Seven tries to comfort her over the loss of Elnor, but she won't have it. They are dressing for the time period. Lots of black peat. Now, I know there's only so much I can tell you as per the Department of Temporal Investigations, but I will say this certainly tracks. I mean, Pete, if they had worn the wrong you know, blue coat or the wrong red hat. It could have all sorts of implications. The fact that, th that they're just wearing kind of, you know, muted shades of black, you know, always, always the eternal color that matches, uh, uh, matches with everything. Um, elsewhere, Jurati again says, yes, she really can do it. She really can, you know, uh, hack into the queen before the queen hacks her. Picard is going to monitor progress and pull Jurati out if needed. Uh, it's stated that Picard will be talking to Jurati's uh, unconscious the whole time, so he says yes. Uh, with that, it is indeed mission time for all. Picard gives a rah-rah speech. Uh, the, the beaming portion of our heroes beam out. Uh, then it's Jurati's turn. The tubule brought to her neck. She'll be fine, mister. Uh, Pete, now's a good time as any to point out uh, a little thing I read over the week uh, on Memory Alpha, that Allison Pill is the only Picard series regular other than patrick stewart to have appeared in every episode um and i think it's well earned She's here. second build yeah yeah um he's gonna uh he'll take care of and her voice stops just as the link is made uh and picard watches on the pad uh pete take us to california dreaming brought to you by the taxpayers of california <laughs> raffi materializes on the street between two trucks Seven in front of a young girl who asks her if she's a superhero and to keep her secret. Rios in midair, falling on his face in front of a deli, blacking out in a pool of blood. Rios is then brought to an urgent care center by a good Samaritan because he has no ID and wouldn't allow himself to be brought to the police or an emergency room. A little boy finds his comm badge. Raffi surveys a homeless encampment in front of a billboard for the Europa mission to go boldly. 
Um, she gets quickly held up uh, for what? Oh, money, right? No. Uh, she smacks the guy out, dismantling his gun. Pete, you can already hear the 2A defenders crying into their into their hands. Uh, she lightens his wallet, even as Seven arrives. And I'll just pause the recap for a moment, Pete, to say, I know we spent a lot of time talking about uh, how episode 201 in many ways was a repilot. Um, this scene, a good reminder, or if you're new to this show in the second season and you skip the first one, it's a good reminder of how capable Rafi is that, you know, being held up at gunpoint is a pretty, you know, uh, you know, scary thing and imbalance of power and all of that. And she, as a Starfleet officer, you know, it's, it's, you know, a punch, a smack and, uh, and the situation resolved. Uh, the two women talk about the near collapse of a society of contradictions. Uh, you're killing me 2024. Let's go find Rios. Pete, I hope we're not saying in 2024, you're killing me 2024, but uh, even I don't know uh, yet. But Seven seems so relaxed. She's never relaxed. She was able to track Raffi, but not Rios. Picard monitors Gerardi, who sometimes wants to disobey him for spite, but that's just because she wishes he was her dad. She describes what the queen is doing inside her mind. He talks her through the process as the queen accesses her emotions, humor, anger, sadness, suicidal thoughts come to the surface. Picard urges her to stay uh, with him, but the more she repairs the Borg queen, the stronger they become. It's been a long time since the queen has felt anything as intense as Gerardi's longing. Gerardi's voice speaks through the queen's mouth that she's almost there. Picard goes to pull her out, but Gerardi says she can see the watcher 15 and stops Picard's hand. Whose hand is that? Mine, 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 mine. It's the greatest uh, fan recreation of finding Nemo's uh, seagulls ever. Uh, Pete, I don't think you should have seen finding Nemo yet. So no, no Sent cheating. The that is true. Make sure it makes you return that tape. Um, I think there's an argument to, there may have been an argument made. I, I'm, I'm, I'm theorizing here, you know, this is, this is TV and film show, not tell. Sh should they, perhaps somebody proposed, should they have, shot, you know, little, little cut scenes of some way to, to show on camera, the queen peering into these different rooms, whether it's flashes of whatever, um, you know, some sort of space and there's happy Gerardi, sad Gerardi, whatever they err on the side of acting, which is a really smart choice. We don't need to see what it's like when a board queen goes into the different corners of your mind. It's too abstract. Let it be shown through the acting. Uh, and, and indeed they did. Uh, we cut back to Seven and Rafi at the tallest building in L.A. Um, with lots of glass and all of that. They're, they're making their way up. They're found by a security guard. And uh, Seven quickly uh, fakes the two being a contemporary couple. Now I know that they are actually a couple back in the 25th century. Maybe it's not a super functioning one. Here she's faking. They're there. They're in love. Can't we break a rule? Go to the top. Kevin, that security guard who is 
taller and rounder said it was okay the other time we want to use this device to capture an image uh who who is nicer and more funny you or kevin security guard let us capture the image take take a picture as some might say uh it's a great bit of humor it's a great bit of uh nuclear wrestling and uh, ultimately the security guard says yes seven doesn't usually get along with strangers yet another subtle clue here of her differences without the implants her comfortability in the time frame and raffi thinks that seven and 2024 should get a room at the walk-in clinic rios is conscious and in a scrub top as a doctor treats him but he's unable to leave under his own power because he suffered a concussion but she won't charge him or report him. His hand is dislocated, and Dr. Teresa asks him his happiest childhood memory, which involves the time he piloted a simulator and earned a record score in front of his mother at an academy at age eight as she distracts him to reset his hand. They're washing his weird clothes, and he notices his comm badge is gone after she leaves. Also mentioned in the scene how uh, Dr. Teresa has set up this clinic to help uh, help people medically without gouging them. She also helps the no hospital, no ID, no papers crowd as well. Uh, the story goes back to Seven and Rafi. The future starts here. The abuse of the environment, the trees, the water. Um the San Gabriel Mountains on CGI fire. Yeah, I mean, evocative, evocative imagery. Uh, obviously, it a bit fictional there, but you know, given given that we've started with the unfortunately all too uh, familiar contrast of you know uh, success in a city, urban success and homelessness side by side, this is this is easy enough to understand as well. Uh, the, the scanner that the ladies have, uh, it has found some future tech. Wait, then it's gone. Um, but it has found Rios's badge. Why is it being tapped? Is that Morse code or cut to the hospital? It's hospital kid tapping it. Rios says, uh, says he wants it back, but the kid will only do a trade. Uh, Rios tries the peanut butter cookies. Ah, oh, real peanut butter. Uh, Pete, I don't look forward to a future where replicators do lousy peanut butter. Um, but Rios proposes uh, a trade. Uh, turns out his name is Ricardo. Uh, Dr. Teresa, a.k.a. Mom, uh, outs him. The badger is going to be coming back to you eventually. Uh, now, Ricardo, do your homework or know Rick and Morty. That's right, Pete. Rick and Morty, now Star Trek canon. Uh, indeed, some Star Trek uh, staffers on other shows that you may or may not be aware of, Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, coming from Rick and Morty. So hashtag it's all connected, which is a thing we have in the future where we say hashtag it's all connected. A nurse returns his shirt uh, to Rios and Teresa takes his badge so he won't steal anything. Back on La Serena, Picard covers Gerardi with a blanket as the queen awakes from the strangest dream where his small companion was there. She reports they've arrived before the divergence in the timeline, which helps her clarity of vision. He wants to know about the watcher, but she demands something in return. Legs, for starters. Other thoughts to drown out the silence cut off from the hive and the ship. 
With that, back to the clinic we go. Rios thanks them for washing his clothes. Now, can he just have his badge now? And we're saying, uh-huh. Once he needs it back, everything will be fine. Uh, but wait, all of a sudden, it's immigration banging on the door. Uh, we head back to the ship. Pete, this these crosscuts evocative of the classic Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. crosscut where we highlight the tension of two different storylines by crosscutting between them. Uh, the Queen... Is that another uh, Star Trek spinoff uh let's see not a star trek spinoff but you have you have some adventures ahead you really really do um we'll just leave it at that back to the ship the queen uh wants the ship and will give them the location of the watcher pete the queen makes the best deals picard won't negotiate Drati wakes up and is brought up to speed uh when it comes to the board queen same leopard same spots uh, it seems like they should just shut her down. The queen scoffs at that. Humans are hopefully, endlessly hopeful. Um, it's time to just fast forward to the end of this whole debate and give the queen what she wants. Gerardi asks what information the queen has, uh, namely the location of the Watcher and when the, divi- the divergence occurs. But, Gerardi asks, is the queen sure of that? Turns out Gerardi stole it. Gerardi has the coordinates and perhaps more. She can almost feel it. It'll come to her maybe at a later point in these episodes just for dramatic convenience. Uh, The Queen says that what has been done is more difficult and uh, more impressive than she realizes. Gerardi has impressed the Queen. Uh, Our heroes walk as the Queen watches. Pete, take us back to the clinic. Well, I just want to add that Gerardi says that the Queen knows more than she's led on as Picard leads her away. As the federal officers access the clinic, Rios buys time for the man in the wheelchair to get up and escape, then dons a lab coat to try to help Teresa. The lead officer notices his hand and they arrest them. No UHC card, whatever that is, or ID, perhaps? They're taken away as Rios combat chirps with Picard's voice. Pete, we are picking up our threat analysis here. Uh, Let's start with the threat that starts off the episode, the unnamed magistrate. While he's not there very long to bridge the previous episode to this one, and the menace there shown he was ready to kill them. And of course, he and his goons get dispatched. Um, listen, I think we'd all prefer Issa Briones, but uh, John John Briones, even as a villain, a great presence here. Next on the list is the Borg Queen, who, you know, who was used so well by the episode in terms of. We had we had the the visual proposal last week as our heroes lined up to you know to beam up and and so forth doing the hero walk that perhaps the board queen was going to be be one of those. Obviously, she's an integral part of the team as we know it. But nonetheless, the notion, of course, that she's got ulterior motives or not not sharing all the information, not being a good teammate and all of that, uh, just adds to the threats and adds to the joy of this episode. Annie Worshing from the moment that I saw her cast here as the Borg Queen with 
my familiarity going back to like 24 she was jack bowers girlfriend and you know seeing her on those uh vhs and dvd uh that you recorded of uh marvel's runaways just a really really fun inclusion to this season and uh herborg queen connected to the others the same remains to be seen but definitely has this one up on picard and now with gerardi and everything that that's added to this uh you know trifecta and relationship uh just a a ton of fun even in the most menacing way and i think as well when it was announced that she was um officially playing the board queen it was it was september of of 2021 and i think at the time a we didn't really have a sense of where they were up to actually no i take that back it was it was towards the end of the filming of season two um, and ahead of the filming of season three of Picard, where it was announced she would play the Borg Queen. So I think at the time, the assumption was, oh, she's going to show up at the end of this season, you know, maybe two episodes, probably one. Aha, I'm the Borg Queen. And that'll be some sort of handoff to season three. The fact that she's been front and center for so much of the last two episodes has been a real, real treat. Um, she's fantastic. The character design is fantastic. The the whole package is wonderful. Um, contrasted by all her screen time, the, the briefest whisper of Q's presence here, although uh, I would argue strategically used. Yeah, and a lot to talk about in the next segment. But the brief dialogue he has with Picard here about his fear about, uh, you know, running from uh threats being the threat himself and part and parcel of this situation that they all find themselves in uh pete another threat uh discussed in this episode is that of racism to use um rios in a way as a latinx character dodging the idea of immigration police or being identified or not being able to be brought to a proper hospital for fear of being rounded up and deported obviously a real concern in the time approximately at which this has taken place um and certainly two years from the time at which it's streaming a meaningful situation and i would add to that i think that there could have been a road of less resistance taken if it was just uh anonymous federal agents to to identify them uh on the backs of their uniforms as um as ice agents um further sets it uh maybe not in the the present day of 2022 as much as fairly recent times but i think it you know, it it makes it clear we're having our fun in terms of madcap adventure, go really fast around the sun, and there's neat effects, and they're going to be fish out of water. But this is Star Trek, and we're getting we're getting our you know serious lesson, we're getting our serious reflection um, as part of it all. 
Pete, I will add as the last threat, uh, Rios not having a UHC card. Now, Pete, for some people, okay, they're going to be much afeared to find out that the Star Trek Encyclopedia 2nd Edition states that the UHC probably stands for Universal Healthcare. Scary, scary, threatening stuff, eh? <laughs> That's Obama, right? Pete, it is also a deep cut reference indeed and something that perhaps is best explored in our theory segment. Let's set our long-range sensors for some theories. And indeed, Pete, let's stick with the UHC card. Do you know when that was first referenced in Star Trek? Sounds like something from Deep Space Nine. Indeed. In the two-parter where Cisco and Bashir go back in time, uh, part of the reason that they get caught is because they have neither UHC cards nor a transit pass. Uh, and by the way, Pete, something that may uh, shadow where our theories go from here, the time that they went to was 2024, albeit, Pete, in San Francisco. But, you know... I it's probably a stretch to ask this question, but what do you think the odds are that we get some sort of Deep Space Nine past tense, part one, part two, Cisco and Bashir crossover with these Star Trek heroes? If they have been able to bring Avery Brooks and Alexander Siddig quiet and integrate them into this season that would be fantastic the the bell riots somehow connected i sense matt it's gonna be same year different reality um hmm well picard has said picard has intuited that this is the same reality um Insofar as, you know, in the terrible future, it's it's our terrible future after the divergence, which really is splitting hairs, but okay, fine. I will say this, Pete, the Deep Space Nine episode, um, uh, past tense, one and two, uh, it takes place around August 30th, 2024. So you, Pete, well, I guess, I guess, Pete, you won't, 1999, Pete, won't see the next Picard episode for another 22 23 years but when when any of us next watch picard just keep an eye out do they establish if they want to mine this at all if they've chosen 2024 not just because it's the near future of when this episode comes out but also uh, you know also when there was other star trek time travel happening if they say definitively oh man get ready for easter 2024 okay there's no crossover if they say Thanksgiving 2024 happening next week. No chance for crossover. If we end up somehow in the summer of 2024, you know, who knows how long they will be there, not just in terms of episode count, but also, um, you know, it easily could be from one episode to the next. You go, oh, one month later. Okay, we're still collecting, you know, crystals for the, the whatever. If we can get close to the end of August 2024, in my mind, that increases the chances of some sort of, you know, real crossover moment. Picard uh, is asked by Q about his fear. And I just want to be clear. I want it a little bit more firmly spelled out for us. Has his 
fear of commitment in an interpersonal relationship led to all of this? I mean, not as I understand the story so far and not as it has been presented. Um, and if so, then fine. Q has upended upended all reality to show Picard it's okay to love. Like, that's not impossible because of the nature of the Q powers and what, you know, like with literally the the, the wave of a hand, Q can do magic story things that couldn't normally happen in the Star Trek universe. I think I'll need more, I'll, I'll need the greatest Q speech ever at some point to sit and go, Jean-Luc, it was worth upending billions of lives to show you one man it is okay to love. Like, I need that speech to go, oh, okay, that's why this extra bit of story baloney is actually okay. Was Q really there? No one else saw him. I mean, I took it as such, and I think that it's, it's certainly, again, it certainly is within the powers of, of Q to show up without a big flash or to show up in a way where only certain people can see. Uh, also, we have seen very little of the Q um, flash in the episodes that he's shown up. So if you want to say, uh, again, like you can't, in my mind, you can't say, well, canonically Q can only be seen by everybody and can only be seen with a big flash of light. I mean, yeah, he, if he's capable of doing all these other things, then he also can go on stealth mode Um and and I don't think anybody's made that complaint quite yet. Elnor's got to come back, right? He's not really dead. I feel like the story is is not quite beating us over the head. The story has made the promise. No, no, no. We have not really killed him off. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be when everything gets fixed. Well, then, and Elnor did not die that day. He's... He's dead for dramatic purposes, but not story dead. So Rafi is obviously most motivated by the hope of uh, resurrecting him and is going after the Watcher. If the Watcher is Guinan, Matt, you're going to set Michelle Hurd against Whoopi Goldberg. I'm there for that showdown. I am too, and I I will not be surprised if the Watcher is Guinan. And I there was somebody online who said, you know, oh, here's my here's this might even be from a tweet to us, although I don't think so. Like, here's my list of guesses. You know, Guinan remains at the top of the list. I would agree with that assessment. I also feel like if nobody in this show next week, and who knows, maybe they find the Watcher next week. But if nobody next week goes, of course, Guinan was in. Uh, was on Earth during this time period, and and what was even in, I think it was the San Francisco episode, the Mark Twain one, um, you know, but was in this part of the world back in the eighteen hundreds. So why not the nineteen hundred, or no, why not that? Why not the twenty the twenty twenties? Like, it, here's my point, Pete. It should occur to somebody who knows Guinan, like Picard, that Guinan is around. Um, if they're ignoring that fact because it didn't occur to them, well, shame on them. It's a fantastic Star Trek team. If they're not. Well. Terry Metalis um, knows his Star Trek, you know, uh, a production assistant breaking in there with Voyager and now all the way to Star Trek Picard. 
Speaking of Matalus, Matt, Mark Ridge Industrial Tower, 12 Monkeys uh, Illusion. And Matalus, of course, the prior. Was he the showrunner of 12 Monkeys? Yes. I know he was. A, okay, yeah. Um, it's it, it's funny. We had, we had had the brief discussion how the name is so kind of, um, feels so omnipresent. Plus, it's one word, right? Mark Ridge. Mm -hmm. um and just even seeing it on the closed captioning it's like ooh, this is something this is a lot different than saying you know the 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 city hall tower or or you know things of that sort um and then to find out that it's a reference to a whole other thing that's just that's just delicious that's what you get to do when you're putting in your putting in your work there terry madalus seven looking at herself without implants in the mirror a second straight episode relaxed at ease with strangers are we setting up a potential conflict for her to want to stay in this altered reality hmm possibly now let's skip to the very end of that thought process if she stays in 2024 i think you're going to have a bunch of heartbroken fans and not heartbroken like oh man what do you mean seven can discover as she makes her way through this world as a human being, i.e. post-Borg, uh, that she isn't that into Chakotay and maybe is into women. Like, I don't even mean the the people who were faux upset by that. I don't know that I love the idea that Seven can only be happy back in the terrible 2020s. Um, I hope it's setting up some sort of Seven personal growth arc where she can she can learn to love herself she can learn to love another and be more be more available to uh to Rafi you know with whom she's in a relationship but it's kind of you know a, a fractured relationship um I'll even Pete turn a blind eye to like I don't understand the story reason why she just can't have what we see of the Borg implants removed just so she's not an obvious ex-Borg I get that you kind of need that for story purposes and and so forth, but um, but maybe maybe that's an option at the end too, where with new pioneering medicine and a special appearance by Doctor Crusher, now you can look more human and feel feel you know the person that you are on the inside can reflect the person that you are on the outside. With everything that Girardi experiences in this episode, she's got to be the Legion. Uh, masked queen at the very beginning of this season, right? Well, well, now, now, hold on, Pete. It used to be that it was uh, that it was um, Soji. Now it's Gerardi. I, I feel like we're playing whack-a-mole <laughs> here. Um, I mean, look, I would agree that there's there seems to be every indication, um, particularly as we get more into this board queen. Um, story and the presence of the Borg Queen and so forth. The the Stargazer Borg Queen behind the mask, you know, it's a perfect opportunity for the the misdirect. It may be the misdirect that we see coming. Um, could it be Gerardi? I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess what comes to mind is this, Pete. Uh, I, and weirdly, to go back to the Mark Twain Next Generation episodes, I was never crazy about the idea that like. Data lost his head and then it sat in a cave for 400 years until it was brought back and put back on him. I, and I don't know why that didn't sit well with me, but I kind of don't like it for some kind of vague continuity reason. If you're going to tell me that the end of this 
past adventure you know th- th- this trip to los angeles 2024 like and then Gerardi joins the borg and is put into stasis but she will see picard again in the next scene which happens to be hundreds and hundreds of years later or something could it work story-wise sci-fi-wise absolutely do i love the idea not really what is the significance of the number 15 that Gerardi finds in the borg queen I mean, beats me other than it might be it might be a it might be a Chekhov's gun, no Chekhov pun intended, that is only understandable next week, i.e., you know, it's not a clue for us to figure out. It'll be when Gerardi's looking through the files, she sees file folder number fifteen or something like that. Um I think it's again, I think unlike other things like, you know, could the watcher be Guinan? Could the watcher be uh, Wesley, could the watcher be the traveler, you know, things of that sort where I think, I think there's enough to theorize and there's enough to kind of make, make movement over it. I don't know that we quite have enough for the number 15 here, unless you know something I don't. You bring up the watcher, Matt seven is seen beaming in and asked if she's a superhero by the little girl. What if they have gone into the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the Watcher. Um, if if next week is the grand reveal that uh, the ailing, the somewhat ailing company currently now known as Paramount, that was known four weeks ago as Viacom CBS, um, that five years ago was two separate companies, and that fifteen years ago was one company, because is that decisions. like UPN? Um, it is connected to UPN. It's all connected. Um, Pete, let me just say this. If you have any uh if you have any stock in UPN, um sell. Um You're still using money? Uh we are still using money. We are. Um some people are using something that's called the crypto, uh, and I don't completely understand it. Um but but it's it's a it's a really interesting world out there. Um it, you can find more in encyclopedias. Pete, nowadays encyclopedias are made by everybody. Um, you can even find encyclopedias such things as oranges come from farts uh, until somebody goes back and reverts the edit history on the uh, on the encyclopedia. But I digress. Um, if we find out that uh, Star Trek has been sold to Disney, next week would be a good week to announce it. What about this Europa mission to boldly go to uh or for new interplanetary uh, explorers. So I guess we can kind of say then that the idea of boldly going or that as a catchphrase related to space in the Star Trek universe that, you know, I know that it's the Zephram Cochran um, quote, um, but what, maybe this inspired him or this was a, you know, he picked up on that saying and built on it. Um, so to me, it makes sense. It's also a reminder, I think, that in the Star Trek universe, they're ahead of where we are at in terms of, you know, kind of space technology and 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 things of that sort. It, it, it's kind of a good way to have have their cake and eat it, too, in that the show has gone to 2024 Los Angeles to have commentary on life in the 2020s in the real world. But they also need to do some kind of service to say, and don't forget, before you know it, 
there's going to be first contact day and there's going to be this and there's going to be the warp five project and archer and all of that that that's not that far away uh side note pete uh, first contact day is a lot closer than you think so uh, in terms of it being a pro promotional thing um so we'll have to at some point wonder what star trek inc will send our way for that but um I think it's a good way to say the future is still moving forward, even though we're dealing with problems of the present. After the Rios Gerardi relationship has fallen apart here, Rios and Teresa. Hmm. Uh, aside from any concerns about doctor patient stuff, uh, I mean, I look, I would have bet that Dr. Teresa would have been a one episode you know, um, opportunity for Rios to be lost and to slow the mission down and then find, you know, and to have some commentary about, um, you know, giving basic rights like healthcare to, to people regardless of their, their origin, their immigration status and so forth to layer in this extra level involving, um, involving ice. Um, it certainly, it is welcome to have the Rios Teresa arc be more than one episode do I think it's going to end up being the four episode romance that lit a fire in all our hearts versus next week it somehow gets resolved and maybe he does, maybe Rios does some sort of um, transparent aluminum type thing. Like now Dr. Teresa has, you know, she discovers that he's added eight zeros to her banking account and now she can help all the people she wants because she's a billionaire. Maybe we get something like that. Uh, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if next week is it for her. That said, if it ends up being, if she ends up being a larger and larger contributor, I mean, heck, Pete, she could hop on the ship and go back to the future with them. Star Trek has done that before, too. Well, wherever this is going next week, it's going to have something to do with MacArthur Bark, where there was the briefest blip of alien technology. Yeah, I it's it, part of the fun of this season is not really having a sense of the pacing. Um, they're obviously devoting more time to Los Angeles than an episode or two. Um, now, if you told me we get to the middle of the season, if we get to episode 205 and they go back to uh, back to the future and it's revealed um, that this season has a first half and a second half in a really kind of, you know, part A, part B kind of way. Uh, great. They built that big, beautiful Stargazer bridge for a reason. Um, if we're in Los Angeles for later than that, that certainly could be as well. Um, so again, I don't have a sense. Are we going to go to MacArthur Park and find the Watcher next week? Or is it going to happen in two weeks? Or is it going to happen, you know, later in the month of April? Who knows? With that, Pete, let's open Hailing Frequencies. Hailing Frequencies open, sir. We go, Pete, to our Twitter poll uh, in which people uh, were asked, did you get assimilation? They were able to vote and reply, no ID needed because democracy. Uh, and here's how the votes went, Pete. The hills are burning. Fire emoji got 3.2%. One way beam got 6.5%. Gerardi dunks on the queen, 48.4%. And then the top vote, top O the tower got 41.9%. Uh, some replies here, Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo1983. Uh, loved this episode. Gerardi is my hero. Anytime the board queen shows you respect, you have to pay attention. Rios is in a pickle, and the other team is causing problems. Keep it coming. 
Next up, Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139. As good as Disco was this week, I enjoyed Picard just a little more. I love where they're taking the story, the Borg Queen Agnes dynamic, Rafi's mission to bring back Elnor, Seven's feeling of normalcy and acceptance, Rios alone and experiencing 21st century race issues, uh, which I saw as a parallel to what Chekhov experienced in Star Trek IV. They're still teasing The Watcher. I don't know how it couldn't be Guinan, but maybe we'll be surprised. I absolutely loved this show. Pete, uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln's words there, they hit on some of the stuff that we talked about. I think it's a great review that this episode is giving every character something to do, even if they aren't sure what to give Elnor, so they temporarily, temporarily killed him off. I wasn't sure that they could ratchet up the character storytelling in season two, but they've managed to do it, which makes me even more excited for the series conclusion in the third season. Next up, we hear from James the Sagacious. That's at Big Kiln on Twitter. I have to cross over a bit, showing us a terrible 2024, but letting us know it will be okay because Stacey Abrams is the president of Earth was a nice touch. Seriously, <laughs> can we have more fantastic women in the Trek universe? Uh, I, I think so say we all. Absolutely. Uh, next, next, we hear from Rose Ferry at Anna Rose 8. Uh, pardon me, at Anna Rose 584. I'm enjoying the humor the writers have given us, but not the loss. So true to L.A. Got the fatal error from Paramount Plus again, so they are now Paramount minus to me. Had to go back in time to finish the episode. <laughs> uh, all, all I know is, Pete, in your future, okay, streaming video is not that difficult for many, many companies to do. Somehow Paramount Plus does it least well. Uh, next, we hear from Make It So. That's at KCLYLE1 on Twitter. Great episode. Poor Elnor. Hope the time fix brings him back. And it looks like the Jurati Mask Queen theory may uh, have some legs. Looking forward to seeing how it shakes out. Michelle Hurd did a great job this episode. Some might say fantastic. Can't wait for more. Uh, JT Atkins at JTA's Me says, I predict Elnor is fixing his own organs right now and will be back <laughs> soon. That's not a bad, I mean, let me this way. When he was put into the body bag, I thought it was like in preparation for him to be cremated. And then instead it was just like he's put into stasis, refrigeration, you know, what, what one does with a, with a deceased body. Can we rule out, Pete, that Elnor doesn't have some, you know, if it's like, I'm okay because I did co-op malat you know uh pilates in my in my in, in my <laughs> i don't think state. that the pilates will be the uh the, the way that he's healed but i i do like some kind of ultra mastery over his bodily functions healing him rather than just and time travel so not dead Next, we hear from Noel Gardner at Noel Camille on Twitter. For some reason, I never get tired of futuristic shows coming back to the present day story trope. I feel like they're going to get uh, into a few shenanigans while looking for the Watcher. I also think the Borg Queen will get loose too. Can't wait to see what happens next. Pete, I have a mental image now of the Borg Queen in some sort of, she, she's grabbed like a, like a curtain or something to kind of hide herself. And there she is, <laughs> there she is outside the Chinese theater where there's like, <laughs> you know, if, if no one's ever been, in addition to it being like the concrete and the signatures and all that, it's like, yes. they'll be like, guy in a flash outfit is like, hey, you want to take a yes. picture? We'll take a picture of five bucks. Um, so like the notion of the Borg Queen, like the, the, the personification. Guy dressed like Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, yeah. 
the the idea of the Borg Queen personifying the greatest threat to humanity ever. Like, can I take a picture? Look, you're like a scary yep. vampire lady. Like, uh, <laughs> um, that would be that would be awesome. Do it. The uh, only problem is this season and the rest of the show is already filmed. So unless they've gotten it, we're we're just wishing for it. Um. Now let's hear properly from JT Adkins. It's at JTA is me. Can it be next Thursday now already? The Gerardi dunk was awesome, just like the rest of the episode. I love the way Trek keeps doing new takes, new twists on the formula. Truly. That said, I did want someone to say, everyone remember where we parked. And another thing, I can't say enough good about the Gerardi dunk dramatically. I watched it again. It's such an important plot point, but music and camera don't tell us that. It's just great performances from JL, Borg Queenie, and Agnes. So well done. Uh, Pete, let me pause his words for a second to say something that's been on my mind. I think that we should start to inform to informally refer to the Borg Queen as Queenie. Um, I'm glad he brought it up in my head. It was Q-U-E-E-N-I-E. He has spelled it with a Y at the end. Regardless, can we just start to call her Queenie? Her Highness. Okay. Uh, back to JT's words here. Uh, um, and I predict that Gerardi is the episode 201 Borg Queen which is pretty cool, not only so long as she's still herself and back for season three. And one more prediction, based only on a hunch this time, when Q said this is a penance, it isn't actually Picard's penance. It is, in some way or another, Q's penance. Ooh, I have literal goosebumps over that. That's a great I like great uh, that theory a lot. Um, yeah, and it's like, it's in line with, you know, Q has to go say he's sorry, but he's going to do it in a way where he thinks where you feel sorry, not him. Uh, Pete, we hear from Single Since Obama. That's at uh, K. Uh, that's Kylie K Y L I E G three two eight. There is something so sinister about the Borg Queen's tone when she speaks. The other queens are more deliberate, but her casual conversational tone is more frightening. Frightening with a ph. Elnor, no. After the episode one speech, I was still convinced he'd adopt the Picard name by season's end. Maybe still. Uh, and lastly, Pete, we hear from Snow Goggles. That's at Snow Goggles. The only watcher I'll accept, and it's a picture of the Marvel watcher. Hashtag it's all connected. Hashtag shut up, Wesley. With that, Pete, take us to the Facebook. Brett Williams responds to last week's Picard episode post on the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. People whining about the lack of mentioning the whales method of time travel don't get the diversion to 2024 uh the diversion was 2024 and we wouldn't have cared about the whales and just destroying the probe Ooh, some good uh some good reflection there it is amazing the number of times star trek has gone back in time like for, for as much as present day star trek it's like all right when do we put it on the timeline so we're not bumping into stuff or contradicting things like so too all right let's just go back in time but wait star trek has gone back so much we need to make sure we're not bumping into other shows or we're going to plan to bump into other shows or whatever it is let's check the email inbox pete uh we heard from stacy that's uh, stingray aka trek girl 88 on twitter uh who we had heard part of her message on uh discovery uh, about discovery yesterday uh for today uh, she says, uh, "Whew! This week's this week gave us a great season ender for Discovery, and the Picard story is really ramping up." Uh, on the topic of Picard, Stacy says, "Holy wow! They're not messing around this season. Elmore, Elnor can't be permanently dead, right? Right? Right?" Agnes merging with the Borg Queen was perfectly creepy. 
Allison Pill was so good in that scene. Loved the Agnes having a bleep I stole from the Queen folder, but I wonder if the Queen has a bleep I stole from Agnes folder. Ooh, that's good as well. Uh, I'm sure there won't be any lasting repercussions from her rooting around in Gerardi's emotions. And she has like a OMG emoji. So let's just pause for a moment there, Pete. Is there a bleep I stole from Agnes folder in the Borg file, Borg Queen's files? I I love it. And if there's a performer who can carry it off, it would be Miss Worshing. Um, so yeah. And then on a sound design level, the way they don't constantly do the reverb on her voice, but it's every couple words it clicks in like we've had really great versions of the Borg queen both on um film and in tv and you know to do this with a third performer and each is distinct and each has brought something different um really really well done uh but that would be an awesome oh hey you thought you have this well i have that you know agnes mentioned sadness suicidal thoughts her need for a father figure you know allison pill has really really imbued that character with an awful lot i i can't think of another performer playing her uh so bring on the conflict between the two of them to wrap up Stacy's words here, loved Raffi and Seven navigating 21st century LA, Raffi knocking out her mugger, then taking his money, Seven is a superhero, then the two of them conning the security guard by stoking his ego. Uh, can't wait to see who the Watcher is and how Rios gets pulled out of his predicament. Poor guy had a painful introduction to 2024. Uh, Stacy says, as always, looking forward to your thoughts. Uh, so, yeah, Pete. Let's have you take a stand. How long will it take Rios to get out of his predicament? I think he and Teresa possibly with the help of the kid. I mean, we get the comm badge back at the clinic. Uh, Ricardo is there. Could he bring it to, I assume they're going to be taken to a police station, if not some other facility. Would they not allow uh her son to see him and uh you know possibly use the combat i don't know some kind of disruptive frequency to distract people who knows uh certainly one to watch there uh with that pete i think you have some more listener feedback yes on apple podcasts matt um Athosark has uh, written a review uh, headlined appreciate the run through uh, five stars and it reads i'm the infamous one who foolishly trashed fantastic geeks bobf recaps that's a uh, book of boba fett i seriously appreciate them for picard season two because i missed so much the hosts caught well, uh, glad to hear that. Glad to hear that what we do is appreciated. Uh, if nothing else, Pete, it sounds like we've worn them down to our our way of recapping. Well, given that we just found out the other day that Ms. Marvel, the Marvel Disney Plus show after Moon Knight, will begin streaming on Disney June eighth, 
we're going to have a June that consists now of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, um, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show on Disney Plus, and the uh, Ms. Marvel show all at once. So we're actually going to need to reach out, have that discussion with our listeners, particularly our patrons on Patreon.com. Yeah, we... uh... We have a couple of thoughts on how to podcast all three, um, but I think we're not we're not quite sure what the best route is, particularly, you know, uh, how to how to keep the fun going and all that. So, yeah, I think that'll be a that'll be a, an ongoing discussion with our listeners, and with our patrons, and all of that. Uh, with that though, Pete, we can't start to wrap up yet. We need to hear in a voice from the future, a future where there's things like universal health care. Let's hear from Admiral Fred in the Netherlands. Hello, Matt and Pete, and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 3. I gave this episode a 9 again, just as last week on IMDb. Really, really very nice episode. My wife said, well, it's a bit built up on the old story of The Voyage Home, Star Trek 4 where Kirk, McCoy and Spock go back to 1986 San Francisco. And of course it is, but that is very nice of Picard. I think they put in nice memory lane stuff and they do it in a very nice and not too cheesy way. I loved the power play between Agnes and the Borg Queen. As well as when she were in each other's mind as later. Really, really nice. Especially for such a seemingly uncertain person as Agnes. Although she is much tougher than she looks like. We lost Elnor. I don't think he will come back in the past. But when the series goes back to the future, I'm almost certain we will see him back. I really wonder how many episodes that will take. So how many episodes of this season of Picard will play in 2024? The Borg Queen is played by Annie Wershing. I just stumbled over that in IMDb. I really didn't recognize her behind all this latex. But now I know it, I can see it. Of course we know her as Marvel Vance from Marvel Runaways. So I assume you probably already knew that. I also know her from the series Extant, which I liked a lot, with Hale Berry in the lead role. And I know her from a series I like even more, and that's Timeless, with Abigail Spencer in the lead. Very sad that that didn't get a third season. I really wonder if Rios will be very sad to go back to the future because we possibly see here some sparks between the young doctor Tamara Ramirez and Rios. So let's see how that will develop. Okay, that will be first thoughts about this episode of Picard. That will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, I really like Fred's use of the phrase memory lane to describe those story nostalgia moments. Uh, I feel like that needs to be part of our 
our vocabulary, you know, kind of like the show is trying to take us down memory lane when they do things like, you know, show us the old timey uh, communicator or say, oh, look, it's, you know, Billy Kirk who might move to Iowa one day or things of that sort. Um, Really, really great way to encapsulate how a lot of these shows, not just Picard and Star Trek stuff, but so much kind of needs to have that memory lane resonance with a 55 plus year uh, backlog to be able to do that and how constantly Star Trek is referring to its past. Uh, I think that's probably a good idea. Um, yeah. The, the um, appliances and the uh, makeup on Annie Worshing, it, it's hard to, to recognize her from other things you might have seen her in unless you knew that she was cast. So I, I don't think that's Fred not being observant. It's that, you know, the, the performer is covered up in, in quite a bit, but I still think she's bringing um, all those abilities that she's shown us in those other shows. Also, Fred seeing the spark between Rios and uh, Dr. Teresa had me wondering if perhaps we're setting up some sort of Rios, Teresa, Agnes romance triangle. Um, again, assuming that Teresa and Ricardo need to stay in 2024, maybe, you know, maybe there's enough uh, juice between Rios and Teresa or Agnes realizes what she's missing out on or things of that sort. I know on the one hand, that's kind of basic story convention. On the other hand, it's also kind of like, Look, women fight over the man, which is not necessarily Star Trek's, well, more recently Star Trek's bag. I guess Jim Kirk never never minded uh, the fight over him. But it'll be interesting to see what they move, uh, you know, what they use with all these moving uh, story pieces. Um, and certainly we'll find out in the weeks ahead. And that'll be done because of the people of Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Yes, that support is so, so appreciated, keeping us listeners supported and uh, keeping keeping enough uh, support coming in. So as we do chart the weeks and months ahead where where it seems the, the, the pop culture universe is asking a little more out of us, uh, it really is great that our efforts are on that foundation of those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Everybody who pitches in gets access to exclusive podcast content. Takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door. Can't contribute right now. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts like Afozark. Leave a rating in seconds or a review in just a little while longer to any of our 26, soon to be 27, 28 podcast feeds. Pete, though you are minutes away from uh, seeing the wormhole connecting 1999 to 2022, uh, you know, that connection will be severed. People can still tweet at you. You personally will not see them for another, you know, 22 and a half years or so, but they can still tweet away. How can they do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 12,425 followers can't be wrong and while i'm personally on twitter is looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com check us out on twitter instagram gmail but wait Pete, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today 
on our pop culture podcast feed in the next week. We'll be talking some Strange New Worlds. We'll be talking some Moon Knight. Of course, we have Discovery and Picard next weekend as well. If you're here just for the Picard goodness, we will be back next Sunday of the debut of 2022, Pete. For now, though, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you 1999, Pete, the final, final 1999 word. Kevin is not funner than me. Thank you.